Hi there, ladies, and welcome back to The Feminine Domain. This is season two. I'm pretty sure it's episode three, um, but this is a second part to a two-part marriage series that I started last week. Um, So as promised, today we are going to be dealing with um, faithful Christian wives in the bedroom. So basically physical intimacy within marriage. Um, So on that note, this is your warning. If you have little ears that are listening as you maybe are washing the dishes or folding laundry, this would be a better episode to put some headphones on or um, just listen when you have some more privacy. Um, If you've got some little ones who this might be a bit advanced for them. Um, And on that note, my husband actually had a question come up last week in our adult Sunday school class. Um, And I wasn't there for it because I was part of the greeter team at church. But I did want to share a little answer or how how I would have contributed to that discussion that the adults had in Sunday school, which was just um, the question that was put forward was, you know, what if your child hears something? Um, I think it was in the context of even in a Christian context, in the context of a sermon or something, or even through reading the word of God, that is you know, to do with physical intimacy, to do with sexuality that is too advanced for where they're at developmentally. Um, And it made me think of Corrie ten Boom and um, reading her book. Her father had this amazing analogy that he gave her for something similar. He said to her, Corrie, can you lift my briefcase? And she tried to lift his heavy briefcase, I think, off the train that they were on, and she couldn't even move it. And he said to her, in the same way that I have to carry that, um, there are certain things, certain pieces of knowledge that are too heavy for you right now, and I have to carry it until you're older. So you have to trust me as your father to carry this for you until you're ready to carry it. And so I've actually used that analogy many times with my girls. If we've come across um, even things in the scriptures that are a bit beyond what I think they can handle Um, I'll just use that little analogy to explain to them. This is something you'll understand when you're older, but for now, mom will just carry that for you. So just in case that's helpful to anybody out there in having conversations with their children in that regard. So the other thing I wanted to say at the outset of today's episode um, is something that came up last time. So one question people always raise when we're talking about being godly wives when we're speaking of submission and respect and even physical intimacy and sex within marriage, um, people tend to ask, well, what about cases of abuse, right? Where the husband is in grievous sin. Um, So I want to reiterate a point I made last week, which is that all human authority is limited and therefore there are limits to a husband's authority, okay? and consequently limits to a wife's submission. So this is a podcast for women, and I'm not going to be diving into all the potential pitfalls that men face or men might fall into. Uh, But I did want to say at the outset of today's episode that there are biblical courses of action for women who find themselves in those kinds of hard situations, abusive situations. Um, I wanted to recommend, again... Martha Peace's book, The Excellent Wife. She has a whole chapter entitled God's Provision, Resources for a Wife's Protection. 
So that's a particularly helpful chapter. And I also wanted to say that the local church is the context for this kind of protection um, for wives. So to all the women listening, if you are not connected to a solid biblical local church with biblically qualified men leading that church as the elders, overseers, pastors, um, you need that as a Christian woman for a host of reasons, um, one of which is your own protection. So um, that being said, we are going to focus, as I said, on what the scriptures are saying to us as women. And this particular podcast is not going to deal with all of the, well, what if this situation or what if that situation, okay? So to start off, we are going to be in 1 Corinthians today. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, Or do you not know? that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 to 5. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come back together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And then the last text I just want to read, this is from last week. Ephesians 5, 22 to 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And last week I honed in on that in everything. And ladies, that in everything definitely includes our sex lives. Um, As it pertains to the bedroom, we married women need to remind ourselves of a few things, okay? Firstly, as I said last week, submission is only required when there is a difference or a disagreement. That's a quote from Doug Wilson. Super helpful. Ladies, there is often a lot of difference or disagreement in the sexual relationship simply by virtue of the fact that men and women are different, okay? One of the main ways this plays out is in the frequency of sex, okay? So this is a generalization. Not every marriage is the same. Every marriage is different. Every couple is different. Every man is different. Every woman is different. But generally speaking... Men typically think about sex and physical intimacy much more than women do and desire consistent, regular, frequent physical intimacy more than women. So, as I mentioned last week, Martha Peace helpfully points out in her book that a wife is called to be submissive to her husband in all things unless... Her husband asks her to sin. 
So how does this apply to the bedroom? Well, newsflash, it was a newsflash for me at a certain point in my marriage to Alex. Here it is. Desiring sex with his wife is not sin. Okay, and I'm going to say that again. Your husband wanting to have sex with you is not sin. And we'll get further into the, the fact that it's actually a good thing. Now, can a husband be sinful in his approach to the bedroom? Can he be sinfully selfish? Yes. However, ladies, another person's sin does not justify us being disobedient to God's clear commands. Why do we so often think that adding our disobedience to our husband's disobedience is somehow going to improve things, right? Our obedience to God always results in blessing. So that's the first thing is that we saw last week that wives are called to be submissive and respectful to their husbands. Submission is only needed when there's some kind of difference, okay, or disagreement. And the sexual relationship, by virtue of the fact that men and women are different, there are necessarily going to be differences in what we desire, okay? And that does not give us an excuse to be disobedient to the Lord. Okay, so that's the first point. We're called to submit in everything, including our sex lives. Point number two is from Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6 that I read at the outset, that our bodies are not our own, okay? We have been bought with a price, and we are to honor God with our bodies. This means how God defines honoring him, not what we think is good. So for a married woman, this means that her husband's sexual needs and desires are at the forefront of her mind, not whether she feels in the mood, okay? As Rachel Jankovic would say, we need to tell our feelings to shut up and salute Jesus. If we follow our feelings, we will not obey Christ. You know, and this is a truth that applies to all areas of life, right? If we just go with how we feel and do whatever we want when we want, we aren't going to be following Christ faithfully. The same is true of our sex lives. Christ is Lord over our sex lives, ladies. Do we believe this? I think so many of us, you know, we, we believe the verses in Scripture. You know, Jeremiah 17, 9, where it says, Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. You know, we see that. We believe it. We say we believe it. Until our husband is in the mood and we are not in the mood, right? And then we say, well, I guess I'm not in the mood. I'm going to obey my heart. I'm going to go with my feelings here. In those moments, we need to remind ourselves, no, my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. What does the Lord say about this? I think of the verse that talks about taking captive every thought and bringing it into submission to Christ, you know, and we'll say, yes, we should take our thoughts captive and, you know, don't go dumpster diving. But what if the thought is, really? Right now? He wants to be together right now? Those are also thoughts we should be taking captive. And I think often we don't see it as such. We don't take those thoughts captive because we feel justified in them. Okay, but we are not going to feel like it if we keep avoiding it. 
Okay, we're not going to feel like being physically close to our husbands if we spend our whole lives avoiding being physically close. We need to do it because God says so. Okay, we need to obey Jesus. And the more that we do, the more that we walk in obedience to Christ in our marriages, in our sexual relationships with our husbands, the more we will want to. We will be leading our hearts and the feelings will follow that faithfulness, okay? So point one was submission is only required when there's a difference. Point two, our bodies are not our own. We need to obey Jesus, glorify him in our bodies, okay? Point number three, a godly woman is sexually responsive. Song of Solomon 6, 2 to 8, sorry, six. Chapter 6, verses 2 to 3, sorry, says, My beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to graze in the gardens and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He grazes among the lilies. You are a garden if you are a wife, okay? And it is right that your husband should desire you. I mentioned before that his desiring sex is not a sin, okay? It might be a difference. You might not be desiring it in a moment for a host of reasons. You might be overwhelmed, whatever the reason is. But your husband is not in sin for desiring you, okay? This verse takes it even further, showing us the goodness of his desire, right? That it is right that he goes down to the garden, Proverbs 5 is another passage. Actually, Proverbs 5, 15 to 22 that I'm about to read for you now. My husband's going to be preaching on this Sunday. Um, So yeah, you might want to come and listen to that sermon if you're in the Peterborough area. Um, But it says this, it's speaking to men, okay? Well, here we go. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman? and embrace the bosom of an adulteress. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. You need to allow your husband to drink water from his own cistern, okay? Um, Alex has already talked in our adult Sunday school class about the allure of the unknown shady lady, how her strangeness is part of the allure, right? But also, contrary to that, God designed intimacy to be a context of deep knowing, okay? Um, How will our husbands obey this passage that I just read if we lock the gate to the garden? We need to let our husbands drink from their own cisterns. Let your husband delight in the wife of his youth. Let him obey Proverbs 5, 15 to 22. Let him be delighted by your feminine body. This is good. 
And one of the questions that comes up, I think, um, when we discuss these things, well, how often is normal, you know? And again, as I mentioned at the outset, no marriage is the same, and that's for that couple to decide. But I would say, um, if we go back to the text I mentioned at the outset that talks about not coming apart, um, except for a limited time um, by agreement. So both people need to be in agreement um, and it needs to be a limited time. I think a good rule of thumb, I heard a pastor say this once um, in the early years of my marriage to Alex and it was really helpful. He was like, aim for every day and go from there. Um, This takes discipline, ladies, and mental focus, okay? Um, Especially the way that women are wired, it takes more time sometimes for us to get our minds in the zone <laughs> in this regard, okay? Um, but God helps. You You can ask the Lord to help you to um, prepare to be focused on your husband, sexually responsive, ready to welcome him into his garden, okay? Um, and in the least... The frequency of our intimacy in marriage should not be dictated or determined by the person who wants less intimacy, okay? Because we see from that passage that not being together is supposed to be rare, right? Um, So a good rule of thumb that has helped a lot in our marriage is aim for every day, you know, shoot for the moon and you might hit the stars, you know? So yeah, aim, aim high, Um, And then lastly, the last point I have for you today is point four. Fear is the enemy of faithfulness in your marriage, in all areas of marriage, but in this area specifically, in the area of sexual intimacy. So pray that God would deliver you from fear. Your fear is that it'll be too much if you focus on blessing your husband in this way that you have too many other things on the go to prioritize this. Maybe your fear is that your own needs won't be met or your fear of taking the lowest place, um, considering his needs before your own needs. Proverbs 11.25 speaks to this fear. It says, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will herself be watered. That's Proverbs eleven twenty five. So don't let your fear of giving to your husband in this way hold you back. May God give us grace, the sweet ladies, to water our husbands. Let him drink from his own cistern and bring blessing to your husband. You are his garden. And do this for his good and for yours, okay? but ultimately for the glory of God. Until next time, have a great week.